This episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Podcorn. Christian, we know life as a podcaster isn't easy. Monetizing your small independent podcast can lead to nothing but heartbreak and frustration. We didn't even know the first place to start and how to approach these companies. But then we found Podcorn, a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Damon, with Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do. And Christian, I love their mission statement to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when they monetize. Click the link in our show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Podcorn, connecting unique voices to unique brands. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Incoming transmission. My name's uh, Mitch Garrett. I'm Tom Kate. You're listening to the Amazing Nerd Show, so you must be an amazing nerd. <laughs> Unlike me, who's a cool nerd. <laughs> Welcome, nerd. Are you ready to launch 113th Expedition into Nerdum? Preparing for launch. Queuing bitchin' rockabilly track. Priming engines. Preparing infrared sensors. Unencrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. This is the Amazing Nerd Show. Alright, man. We just had a huge weekend. C2E2 is here. Um, we got to attend. You attended all three days. Saw some great panels, uh, some even better cosplay. Yes, um, this was a great year. You actually got to go to the AW uh, Dynamite show, um, so we're exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your favorite part of the convention this year? Honestly, I'm going to say the cosplay because so many people came out with probably the most creative and uh, well-done costumes this year. I was so impressed compared to last year. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I love last year, but this mm. year, like, definitely, you know, takes it for me. So, um, just shit I wasn't expecting. You know, you always expect, like, you know, tons of Harley Quinns, tons of Jokers, ton of, you know. But, no, there was shit that I was not expecting to see. Um, and just so well-crafted. Mm. Um, but, yeah, what what would you say was your favorite cosplay overall? Um, there was one that came as midsummer as the ending of the movie. I don't want to spoil too much, but there was a bear on fire. <laughs> so... <laughs> A Care Bear on exactly. fire, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, and the, just, the, I mean, I can't imagine how long it took that person to to do the flowers, flowers and everything, yeah. you know, and how uncomfortable mm-hmm. it would have been to walk <laughs> around all day like that. But, I mean, my hats are off to them. That was that was a great costume. And, and like you said, something I was not expecting mm-hmm. to see. Um, I loved the Magneto I saw. Um, just, I mean, the lights in the eyes definitely took it for me um to that like next level just like it was just like full-on rage magneto um he even had a senator's head in his hand 
um, that he, I'm guessing he did on his own because <laughs> I mean it was well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like full on like rage Magneto. Um, the costume looked legit. So. Um, and there was actually a lot of great X-Men costume, too. There was, like, one picture we got where it was, like, a whole team of X-Men. I don't know if they were there together, but there was Professor X who had the fucking hover chair. And I'm thinking, about how the fuck was he getting around <laughs> with that fucking chair? Hopefully he took an elevator. Yeah. But even then, it was it's pretty big. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, but my hats are off to them. I mean, the dedication mm-hmm. that it has to take to, you know, come out, you know, and put those costumes. I can't even imagine... You know, the months, you know, of work that they put into that shit. Oh, absolutely. So. And if you want to check out any of the cosplay that we're talking about, head over to our Instagram or our Facebook. We have all the pictures from C2E2 weekends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's tons. So. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, honorable mention to the fucking Monty Python guys who actually, from the Holy Grail, uh-huh. who actually, like, put together a fucking wall. You know, they're the soldiers from <laughs> from that awesome scene. No, they so. were fully into it. They were insulting everyone walking by. You know, they were like fucking all over the place. They were How bananas. How fucking clever was that? <laughs> I mean, that was fantastic. They had an inflatable cow that they were throwing out at people. <laughs> <laughs> you said there was a guy there actually with like coconut shells too? Yes. There <laughs> were some knights out there with coconut shells. I just didn't get a chance to uh, get a picture. Just awesome shit. Yeah, uh, definitely check us out on social media. That's at Amazing Nerd Show. Mm-hmm. So besides great cosplay, we also had some like newsworthy items come out of the convention. Uh, but before that... If you're liking what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you enjoy most. We're on everything. And while you're at it, help further support the show by giving us a five-star review. Yes, let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors and nerd them. We are not mild-mannered reporters. We are mere podcasters with opinions. All right, starting off, we have Star Wars revealing that Ray's father is a failed Palpatine clone. So yeah, at C2E2, uh, people were able to get their hands on an early release version of uh, the novelization of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. And to everyone's horror, (laughs) (laughs) we find out, well, well, at first, everyone, I think the news story was everyone was talking about, oh, you know, it's confirmed, Palpatine is a clone, which, I don't know, for me, it was like, well, no shit. Like, I felt Uh like that was kind of, like, completely implied in the movie. So I I didn't feel like that was huge. But then, (laughs) I guess people read further, and we discover that Ray's dad is a failed Palpatine clone, um, which makes me feel like Palpatine isn't really her grandfather. Well, no, it's that more of her make... dad, yeah. right? <laughs> Technically, oh, I fucking hate this. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I don't understand. So, I, I apparently Palpatine, like the the, I guess her father. Mm-hmm didn't have the force like he didn't have the midichlorians i guess so the clonage didn't take um what we do find out about like you know the clone version that we saw of palpatine in rise of skywalker is the reason why his body's falling apart is because the force is too powerful with him it can't withhold you know his power Mm. so that's why his body's like slowly like disintegrating or whatever um fine 
you know, that, that all makes sense. But this whole reveal here is just where I, it, it's just a head scratcher to me. It's like, why, why would you think this was a good idea? And how does this even make sense? Because like even the logic, it's like, why did Palpatine keep this clone alive? What was the point? Yes. Was he raising it as a son or something, um, you know, to put his essence into? Um, but then he didn't have the force. And I guess he this clone escaped and went on to, like, live a life and get married and have a child, which was Ray. But isn't this clone still Palpatine, right? Am I wrong here? What kind of fucking, like, galactic hillbilly shit is this? That's what I don't get. Am I wrong? Like, it just doesn't... It doesn't add up. So then this would be, like, raised then Palpatine's daughter. daughter. Yeah. But he even says, you're my granddaughter. Yeah. Or she says he's my grandfather. I Whatever. Just, I just don't care anymore, Christian. Yeah. I'm just over this. <laughs> you know, I was excited for this the novelization because I thought maybe it'd fill in some of the blanks. And I haven't read it, and maybe mm. it does. You know, some of those things where we felt like, okay, the, there was too much movie for its runtime. But now it's making me even question that. Maybe this whole thing was just doomed to fail from the get-go. So, because it just feels so convoluted mm -hmm. and, like, weak and oh, just unnecessarily complicated. You know, like, why? Why why go this route? I don't know. I'm exhausted with all of The Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> to be honest. I'm totally reading the book. <laughs> but I'm going to be frustrated the entire time, mm. and I'm, I'm going to love it. So I'll come on here and bitch about it, definitely. So. <laughs> but just such a weird choice, man. Such a weird choice. All right. Well, <laughs> moving on. Uh, yeah, we had the first look at the Batmobile. Matt Reeves just dropped this on Twitter. Uh... What were your thoughts? I was like, is, is that a fucking muscle car? <laughs> I actually liked it. A lot of people, it's definitely a mixed reaction it's uh -huh. getting. I mean, this is very like year one, like Batman. No, dude, I think that's badass, but I'm just, I was taken aback. I was like, oh, this is, you know, it's a muscle car. Because we kind of, <laughs> we asked fans like the, like, the question uh -huh. on our Instagram account, like, how did you feel about it? And we got a, a really mixed reaction. <laughs> you know, some people loved it, and then other people were like, where's the fucking tank at? Um, for me, the Batmobile was never supposed to be a tank. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that's what we got with the Nolan movies. Um, this feels much more like the Batmobile that I know from the comics. Um, you know, definitely a year one version but, you know, I like the Batmobile to be actually a fucking car. So I I like the look of this. It does feel very, like, you know, DIY. But that, that's cool. This is what this Batman is. And we kind of see it with the costumes. So I totally dig it. I, I'm fine with it. I had some fun ideas of, like, what if this is, like, his dad's car that he got souped up afterwards? Oh, my God. Like, he's totally, like, just yeah. like going through this whole, like, teenage <laughs> angst phase exactly. and everything. <laughs> Should be, like, a bitching Camaro or something. Uh -huh. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm getting more and more excited for this movie, though, no, to man, see where I they go. I, what, what is your favorite Batmobile? Um, movie-wise? Movie, cartoon, whatever. I gotta say, man, my favorite Batmobile is the fucking, uh, 60s TV show Batmobile. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, 
that's the Batmobile, like my first Batmobile, mm-hmm. honestly. You know, I grew up watching the show. Yeah, so I love that Batmobile still. That I feel like that's even like the first toy version of the Batmobile that I had, like with like like my Amigo uh, toys. Mm-hmm. So I, I always gravitate towards that. Um, film wise, I I like the '89 Batmobile. Yeah, Burns. Yeah, I really do. Um, but comic book wise. I like the Batmobile that has the big fucking head of the bat. Oh, on, on the front? Yeah, yeah, I dig that Batmobile. And they bring that back. So, mm. You know, artists here and there will bring it back um, once in a while. But that thing just looks so fucking badass. So what's your favorite? Um, it, it goes back and forth between the animated series one and definitely 89. Okay. Yeah, the 89 one, mm. man. You can't go wrong with the 89 <laughs> one. You know, and I feel like Machine those, guns and all. <laughs> that original, like, franchise, like, the Batmobiles, mm. like, progressively got worse oh, as yeah. they moved on. And they became this weird neon mess at one point. So, but yeah, you can't I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know that glowing blue yes. car. Oh, God. <laughs> the one that was featured, like, the, the, the commercial with, like, Batman going through the drive-thru at McDonald's uh-huh. or something like that. Yeah, that, that thing's a piece of shit. So, but so is that movie. So, no big surprise. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I really liked this version of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we're only seeing pictures. So, but but yeah, so far, I really like the look of this film. So we're definitely getting a more grounded version, mm-hmm. you know, of this character, which I feel like is refreshing. Yeah. Well, also from the C two E two floor, we had Mark Ruffalo is in preliminary talks. To join She-Hulk. Yeah, it was obviously one of the first questions people asked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been rumored for a while. It only makes sense for him to show up, you know, during the series at some point. Um, even if it's just a glorified cameo. Um, I'm all for it. it. He just seems super passionate about the character at the panel. So I, it made me even more excited, mm-hmm. you know, to see it happen. So, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. Well, I'm just thinking, like... Do you think they just did a She-Hulk show because they can't just make a Hulk show? Um, no, I don't feel like Foggy would go that route just because of that. I I do feel like that character's deserving of a show. It's mm. a great character and she doesn't get enough, you know, credit for how like groundbreaking she was, especially in the early 90s and everything that she did. She was Deadpool before she was, you know, before Deadpool yeah. was. So, um I could, I mean, I can't wait to see what they do with the show. So I don't think so. I mean, it it's probably a nice bonus though that they can, you know, kind of like go into the whole Hulk like yes. mythos without having to deal with you know all the legal shit that comes with the Hulk at this point. So, um, and I'm hoping still we get the Hulk in future mcu movies i'm sure we will Hmm. i mean he was also talking about like the professor hulk and you know wanting to do more with that version of the character so which i would i was thinking when he was talking about that would it be like a prequel to um endgame at that point oh maybe maybe he wanted to do a one where it's a struggle between the two and then them coming to terms. That's what, that's what I was assuming. Well, it could be actually the aftermath, too, of Endgame. Mm-hmm. If you think about where we're left off with the character and, you know, how he made a sacrifice and everything like that. And he's kind of injured. And they said that they're not, it's not something where it's going to heal. So he is going to be permanently injured from, you know, the snap, you know, when he brings back everyone. So um, it could be like him dealing with that. Psychologically, you know, just that trauma and everything mm. um, from those events. So... Um, and I, 
you know, from all like the special features and everything like that, we know that he's like kind of like a big deal in the MCU now. Um, you know, he was one of the heroes that were still around, you know, and still, you know, fighting every day and, you know, um, protecting people. So it'd be kind of cool to see like, you know, that character, like how he deals with fame and everything like mm -hmm. that. Um, so I'd be into it. I just don't know how they'll explore it if they can't do a straight Hulk film. All right, and up next we had some unfortunate news about No Time to Die, uh, the next James Bond film, being pushed back due to coronavirus fears. Yeah, this is definitely, you know, unfortunate and scary news. Mm -hmm. um, where's your coronavirus fear at this point? What level are you at? Uh, I am still washing my hands ever, after every time I'm interacting with people, but beyond that, <laughs> you know. It's a lot of hand washing. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you do for a living. Uh, um, yeah, you know, it's pretty scary, and I feel like we're going to probably get more announcements like this. Um, I, Marvel has come out already, and I'm like, we're not pushing back Black Widow, so uh, stop asking. <laughs> We have a schedule. You will come and get Corona <laughs> to see this fucking movie. Uh, that's how confident we are. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you get more announcements like this because I mean it's definitely going to start affecting box office. Mm -hmm. You know, you know the more uh, you know cases that start coming up. You know, I mean especially in different areas where you know the outbreaks even larger. You know, I could definitely see it affecting. You know, no, I was thinking about it all C two E two long. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I heard a bunch of people actually talking about it during C two E two. I was like, oh yeah, that's you're right. We are in a big giant crowd <laughs> of people right now. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more cancellations, like, happening. I know even, like, WWE, like, came out and had a press release where, like, we really care about our fans a lot. And their sa safety means everything to us. But WrestleMania's going on. Like, <laughs> 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 this shit's happening. So fuck you people. Uh -huh. You know? Because at least, like, offer people a refund or something. You know? I mean, but they're like, no, this is happening. Mm. You know? And Vince will fucking... He'll go down fucking kicking and screaming before before he cancels WrestleMania. Now, if it was Hollywood, they would have to. I mean, what? after all the emergencies, like most oh, events California? that are going on in California yes. are canceled. Right yes, now. yes, but that's the thing. Like he, they can't say that at this point because you don't know what the fuck's going to happen in a month or so. Mm -hmm. You know, like if in a month, if it hit Florida hard, they're gonna have to fucking cancel it, which is scary. Like, what's it going to do to, like, the entertainment industry, you know? I mean, it's at the point where, like, the public safety has to outweigh, you know, mm -hmm. you know, pure entertainment, like film and, you know, sporting events. So, I mean, it's an unfortunate repercussion, you know, but it is what it is, you know? I mean, it's not worth, it's just a movie. It's not worth it, you know? So... Um, we'll see. I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if we get more announcements. Like but don't this. worry, listeners. You'll still get podcast episodes <laughs> from the Amazing Nerd Show all year long. I don't know what the hell we're going to be reviewing. <laughs> if there's no movies, we'll just have to start doing a deep dive into that fucking Blu-ray wall exactly. over there. So maybe some retro reviews, right? Exactly. <laughs> So it is what it is. We're just laughing at the Black Plague now. Yep. <laughs> do you expect anything all else from us? All you can do is laugh. <laughs> We're all going to die. So what do you need to see before you die? Like what's... <laughs> I need Cyberpunk 2077 to come out. Okay. They got pushed back to September. Now I'm like, what if I'm dead by then? You know, it's like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> um, I got to... Man. 
shit. What the hell can I not miss? I'm going to have to say Candyman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to be really pissed off that I <laughs> don't get to see. Even if it's not like I'm dead. Even if I'm like quarantined or something like that. Because that's also like a huge <laughs> thing. Like how inconvenient is this whole quarantine thing? You know? So, I mean, I, man, I'm going to be disappointed if I can't see Candyman. Or if it just gets pushed back to like mm. next year or something. Um, I can't even imagine the effect it's going to have on the economy. But, okay, this is a different <laughs> podcast. Well, um, speaking of pandemics, The Last of Us series in development at HBO from Chernobyl Creator. Oh, I was going for a transition into the Candyman trailer, but that works we too. We still got nice. other stories, man. That's nice. <laughs> no, that works perfectly. So, Christian, this is your wheelhouse because I don't know shit about this game. Um, I know I like my sister's a huge fan. Um, it looks fantastic. People told me just to fucking play it just for the story mm. element of it. Um, what can you tell me about it? I would say the story, it, it's a it's a father-daughter type of story mm. where, I mean, they're not father and daughter, but it's, you know, it's about a guy who lost his kid during the beginning of the outbreak, pretty much having to uh, escort what could possibly be the savior of um, the world's, like, as a girl. Like, she she's um, immune to whatever this virus is. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like... Sounds like 28 uh, weeks later. Exactly. Right? Okay. Exactly. Uh, and the way that they handle this story is just so... It's so cinematic. This is more than just, like, you know, a video game where you're doing missions and shit like this. No, you're really, like, enveloped into these characters the entire time. So that's why something like this would work perfectly, especially with a studio with like HBO behind it and everything, or creators from Chernobyl. Yeah, don't know how to say that anymore. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's late. So yeah, I'm definitely interested to see where they'll take this, especially after like shows like Watchmen, like seeing you know how much care HBO is willing to put into the shows. You know, forget the end of Game of Thrones, but everything else. <laughs> well, but Chernobyl, I mean, exactly. Critically acclaimed, a huge hit, so obviously it sounds like it's in good hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if they're putting it in their hands, they think a lot of the material. So, um, you know, so if you're a fan of the game, this has to be good news. Um, so, I mean, hey man, fucking more fucking zombie movies uh, material. They have um, super um, unique, like, zombie looks as well. It's not like your typical, like, walker or anything like that. I feel like we haven't had a great zombie story mm-hmm. for a while. I mean, besides, like, Train to Busan, it, it's been a while, you know? So, I mean, we we both know Walt- Walking Dead's definitely been faltering lately. So, um, at least the last, like, it feels like the last three or four seasons. Yeah. So, you know, more fucking zombie, you know, stories to tell out there, you know, and this definitely sounds like something, you know, unique and different. All right. Well, up next, we have a Candyman trailer. I think I made a mistake. I brought him back. Candyman isn't real! Something's happening to me. He had a purpose for you. To be another one of his terrible stories. I guess he found me. I am the writing on the wall. The sweet smell of blood. A 
a spiritual sequel to the 1992 horror film Candyman that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. All right, so the director on this film is Nia DaCosta. Um, it's written by Jordan Peele and also produced by Jordan Peele. Uh, and uh, it's starring Abdul Mantine. All right, so it seems that we're getting kind of like uh, a new story where it's Mantine's pretty much becoming Candyman. Uh, the trailer does show a little bit too much. I agree. But I did like what I did see. Yes. <laughs> I love the um, bathroom scene in the trailer. Yes. But it, like once again, it's like I really wish like I'd go into this movie mm. not like seeing this trailer at all. Um, because I feel like that would have been a, a huge scene in the movie. Whenever you see like a scene like that, that, you know, feels so promising in like the trailer, it takes away from like, for me at least, like when you get to see it in mm-hmm. full form in the film. So I hate when they do that. Cause that, that, that is a big part of this trailer is that bathroom scene. Um, so, and it's, it looks like a fantastic scene. I just wish it wasn't spoiled in the trailer. Mm. Um, so, but once again, I mean Hollywood. So, <laughs> uh, do you feel like they've laid it on a little too thick with uh, Mantine becoming the next Candyman? Um, I just wish it wasn't so like I mean obvious. I they definitely show too much, mm-hmm. and tr- like I don't I don't know why Hollywood just won't trust the film to sell itself. I mean. I feel like Candyman doesn't get enough credit. Like, it should be one of the bigger franchises. I mean, I know the sequels did kind of suck, but the movie was fantastic. The original movie Mm. was awesome, and it's a classic. So you don't need to go over the top and explain exactly what the fuck is happening in this movie. Leave it a mystery. And maybe hint at it in the trailer. I'm fine with that. But, you know, this, like, definitely... And maybe they're not showing all their cards. Um, But this definitely, like feels like it tells you the entire plot in like a minute and a half mm-hmm. so i feel like that's a, a bit unfortunate but i'm not going to hold it against the film i'm still going to go see it i just wish you know some things were left as a surprise so um you know it, it makes perfect sense from everything that we've been hearing um we heard that tony todd is definitely in the film um and we're kind of speculating well maybe this is a case of mantine becoming you know candy man and like taking you know the the mantle from tony todd like he passes the Mm. lineage you know however the fuck you want to say it to mantine so um that's cool i dig it but at the same time i don't need like a minute and a half summary of the whole fucking film Mm. so um they didn't show you like everything obviously you know you didn't get like tons of like you know kills or anything like but there's definitely some scenes in there where like okay well i know how that character's going exactly i know how that character's going <laughs> so that that shit like gets to me it really does so like i this this movie sells itself to me so fucking trailers man <laughs> i like honestly if it wasn't for the podcast i probably wouldn't watch half these trailers mm-hmm. so um it's our job yeah i guess <laughs> <laughs> There's something about going into a movie Mm. completely, like, oblivious and fresh-eyed where you don't know what to expect um, and actually being surprised by something. I feel like we don't get that much anymore. And I feel like that's what, like, Disney has been doing so well with their trailers 
where they just kind of like show us the same couple scenes over and over again with their trailers um just cut and edited different mm-hmm. ways and they're even like putting in false scenes in the trailers just to not spoil the movie um but they they're disney so they're not too worried about people showing off you know showing up to the movie theater for them where i get it where you know a film like this maybe they're they have that anxiety yeah, but I guess and maybe I'm in the horror bubble where I'm like, well, of course people are going to want to see fucking Candyman because I felt that way with Doctor Sleep, you know, and then no one showed up. <laughs> that is a good point, but I have been hearing nothing but good buzz around Candyman. Yes, so. yes, yes. So, um, any other thoughts with the trailer? Um, I think it's definitely Mantine's voice at the end. Oh yeah. Mm. absolutely especially after hearing him do that type of voice and Watchmen and everything I'm glad that they did <laughs> if Tony Todd is mm-hmm. you know getting to like reprise his role as Candyman I'm glad they didn't you know give that to you in this trailer I'm hoping that they save that for the film so um, I'm interested to see what the actual finished look of Candyman is it seems mm-hmm. like they're going with a whole different like color like motif him like jack you kind of catch like little glimpses and everything like that so um it it feels like they're kind of staying away from the darker like you know almost like you know trench coat that he's wearing with a fur collar um it seems like they're going with like a lighter lighter yeah it'll be interesting to see what peel and naya do with this film yeah no i'm excited like i said it's definitely one of those films where Mm -hmm. if corona does get me (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna be really pissed off if i don't see this film first (laughs) hey i'll be in the theater man i get you masks and all right (laughs) all right it's time for comic book spotlight yeah, this week we are featuring Strange Adventures number one. It's written by Tom King and the arts by Evan Doc Shanner and Mitch Gerrits. Um, and you actually got to meet all three of them. Yes. Um, I know we were there as press, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a fanboy too. Absolutely. I thought my while I'm there, might as well get a couple books signed, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and you heard at the top of the show, they did a great intro for us. Exactly. So uh, let's get into the book. Yeah, what'd you think? Like, to start off, Mr. Miracle was one of our favorite books of the last decade. Yeah. Maybe, right? A hundred years. (laughs) Uh, But it's definitely on my top ten list Mm -hmm. of all time. I would would say that. And, I mean, that's a huge compliment. Um, So I was super excited to, you know, hear about this book and everything. And I've got to say, this is definitely in the vein of, you know, Mr. Miracle. Exactly. a character I know very little about, <laughs> you know, uh, Adam Strange, um, and just a story that I have no clue where the fuck it's going. <laughs> so, but it definitely had that, you know, Mr. Miracle number one vibe where you're like, okay, well, this is interesting. Um, we're seeing a more grounded take on this character, um, which is one of the reasons why we, you know, loved Mr. Miracle so much, but there's a heavy mystery going mm-hmm. on with this character. Um, events we're trying to figure out you know what's real and what's not real so we basically start off with adam strange he's on a book tour um you know talking about his time off world defending another society um you know and like his exploits and he's got a huge following um you could tell like you know he's kind of dealing with fame at this point um, but then all of a sudden, while, you know, he's at one of these book signings, a fan approaches him and, you know, 
he basically calls him a liar and you know says basically he's a fraud and that everything that he wrote about isn't true and that's not exactly mm -hmm. what happens um you know so and right then and there you know we're kind of like taking on a ride where we're trying to we're seeing two different sides of a story um and it's it's really wonderfully done by like you know using the two artists you know to tell you know the different stories um i don't know where we're going with this story right now i don't know what's true what's not um that person ends up getting murdered by some kind of laser gun so right away there's a lot of speculation that it's adam um adam you know claims innocence he even goes to fucking batman to prove his innocence um batman defers to mr terrific mm -hmm. so we've got a full-fledged mystery on our hands um and i'm i'm super stoked by this book <laughs> i really am so um you know i i hope that it connects on the same level with me that you know mr miracle ended up doing um but it definitely feels like it's gonna go that route so. did, you, did you catch tom in the second page or the second like interview where he's like um he's going to go get his book signed and it's actually Tom King there to get his stuff signed. Oh no, it did not get. <laughs> He's holding a Batman book and a Mister Miracle and a and an Adam Strange book. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was like, oh jeez. I was like, what the fuck? Who Tom? Who? Like, I was, <laughs> like, what are we talking about here, Christian? Oh uh, yeah. So okay, yeah. He's done that in the past mm. though, where he's put himself in books. So um, I don't. What were your thoughts? Um, I really like the elements that they did. What you said with the two different artists definitely shows off. Like. You know, what's they have these two different realities going on for us, pretty much showing us off his version of the truth and what could possibly be, you know, his war crimes yeah. that he's doing. Um, and I, th I think this is going to be a cool mystery. There's not too much that there's given away, though. You know, there's not like a clear through line. That's, you know, that's what's to be expected from Tom King's writing, especially after Mr. Miracle, where we had no idea even to the, like the last page. What the fuck the book was about? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was something that like, it, it was such a well done, you know, piece of art that, you know, by the end of the book, you know, I think everyone got something different out mm -hmm. of it. But it was all meaningful and it all connected and that's all that matters. You know, I, I feel like, you know, good art should be open to interpretation. And that's what Mr. Miracle really was. And I, it feels like, at least with this first issue, that's kind of like the road we're traveling down Exactly. Here. I mean, I, I definitely got the vibe from it, especially with um, when you see Strange, you know, just in a regular day settings. Yes. You know, specifically, like... You know, you see him having fantastical adventures, but then you also see him with his wife, you know, or, or girlfriend, or I don't know if they're relationship, wife, wife yeah, yeah. Um, on, on Earth, just, you know, going through the mundane, normal. But, like, that grounding of the character mm -hmm. is what makes us connect to the characters, exactly. I feel like, and that's what works so well with Mr. Miracle, mm -hmm. so... Uh, yeah, no, I I was really pleased with this first issue, and I'm looking forward to more. Yeah, it should be interesting. They've showed teaser images, you know, for um, the future issues, and it seems Batman continues on with their adventures in some way. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what, you know, uh, the story is. I, I love Tom King's run with Batman, so anything Batman-related, he's bringing in more characters that he's used before, mm -hmm. so it should be interesting. Right, Professor Pig is going to yeah. end up showing up, mm -hmm. which is just an awful wall of character <laughs> that I love, so I'm excited about that. All right, well, before we move on, this is a word from our sponsor. 
This just in, the easiest way to monetize your podcast is here. Let us tell you about Podcorn. Nothing is more frustrating than working on a podcast you're passionate about and not knowing how to monetize it. Even in-app solutions from your hosts lead to aggravation and only pennies on the dollar. But thanks to Podcorn, the advertisers are brought to you. No longer do you have to spend hours DMing and emailing companies. Podcorn gives you the floor to pitch your show directly to the right advertisers that reflect your audience. And my favorite part of Podcorn is the fact that you're protected. Not only do they support you during the process, they make sure you get paid. And they're super user friendly. Well, I like that the Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when they monetize. That's why podcasters should click the link in our show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Podcorn, connecting unique voices to unique brands. All right, Damon, we saw a movie this week. That's right. Or did we? Dun, dun, dun. We saw The Invisible Man, Christian. Surprise. And now, our feature presentation. Someone sitting in that chair. what I'm experiencing. You need help. Adrian is dead. I went to his house today. He's not dead. I have a pile of ashes in a box that would disagree with you. He has figured out a way to be invisible. Only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is coming up with the perfect way to torture you, even in death. Cecilia's ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune. She suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by someone nobody can see. This is directed and written by Lee Winnell. All right, quickly before we get started, light spoilers, of course. So I like this movie a lot more than I was expecting. When I first saw the trailer, it felt like the Lifetime like channel version of The Invisible Man. Not at all the classic universal mm. monster that I've come to love over the years. Um, you know, the original Invisible Man is this, you know, fun mad scientist movie featuring an incredible performance by Claude Rains that's completely over the top. I mean, he's a cackling madman trying to take over the world. Um, these tr- the trailer was the exact opposite. Uh, but I gotta say, Lee Winnell like crafted a smart modern take on that cl- classic film. The film is very different, but that's not a bad thing. Uh, this film is a pure psychological horror movie uh, that takes like a look at like real life horrors like abuse and trauma that haunts victims. Uh, from the opening scene, Winnell has you at the edge of your seat. Uh, we watch Elizabeth Moss's character try to escape her abusive boyfriend's house in the middle of the night while he's asleep. Moss's performance like during the sequence is just brilliant. And it's just great storytelling by Winnell that really just like sets up like how terrified Moss is of this sleeping man. And it really like sets the tone for the entire movie because you're like what the fuck did he Mm -hmm. do to her that she's going through you know this whole sequence to get the fuck out of there um 
what follows, you know, the scene is just a master class of like suspense and tension. And it's done with like good old fashioned camera work and framing. The camera work like could range from like really subtle to like not so much. And a lot of like great deliberate framing like in between. Um, just like at times like leaving you staring at like nothing at like open spaces or like a chair or a couch. Um, but all the while like building up tension and like questioning like you're like sitting there questioning like everything that you're seeing. Uh, this is like the absolute like definition of less is more. There's no like crazy CGI monster or like ration jump scares that can like out horror like a well crafted scene. Um, and that's what this whole movie is like based on is just like these well crafted scenes that it, you know, just shows you what suspense and tension can really do to a moviegoer. Um, so story wise, they set up this nightmare scenario and like all great horror films, they put you in the shoes of the victim. Like what you would do if, you know, you were stuck in the scenario. Um, you're watching Moss's life just completely unravel. And, you know, it, it feels like she's just like slowly going insane. Um, it's just such a tremendous performance because she really just carries the weight of the whole film on her shoulders. There's not really any scenes without her in it. Um, you know, and sometimes she's just acting you know, to nothing, to, uh, like I said, a chair. <laughs> um, and, like, another thing, just story-wise, like, just the conclusion of this film is just so incredibly satisfying, and it's such a great setup for a future film that, like, you definitely want to see paid off. Um, and it's something that I wasn't really expecting. So, like, my only real criticism of the film is I, I do wish they left you questioning her sanity a little more, at least in the beginning. Um, keep it a, a mystery a bit. Um, is there really an invisible man or are we witnessing a victim like suffering through like severe like PTSD? Um, but it's Hollywood, it's trailers, you know, they got to get your ass in the seats. I get it, I guess. Um, but go see this film. I, I'm going to actually give it like my strongest grade of the year i'm going to give it an a minus wow okay yeah i really <laughs> enjoyed this um man Winnell, i really surprised me with this film i have not like i guess i've only seen like insidious three or four mm. whenever he directed i did not see upgrade which actually got a lot of praise um but like i know his work from just writing with james you know Wan for such a long time but give Winnell more fucking Universal Monster movies. I think um, he just like signed like a first look deal with Bloomhouse um, where he, I, I think he gets like an exclusive look at anything that like comes their way, um, you know, for film and TV. So I think it's like a two or three year deal, I believe. I mean, that's a good deal though. Yeah. So they're, <laughs> yeah. And they, I mean, they're obviously super mm -hmm. pleased with them. I mean, the movie's doing fantastic in the box office. Um, you know, which, I mean, it's been hit or miss this year, honestly. Like, movies that we thought were going to do gangbusters, like fucking uh, Birds of Prey, has definitely been suffering. Yeah, so it's, it's not a, a strong year, year you know, <laughs> box office-wise. No, I had to say, I, I gave Winnell, like, a good little golf clap by the time I was done watching this book. This was very well-structured, well-done. Um, get back to you, what you said about the framing and everything. Well, how, how about this? I'll start with your criticism, because... 
what you were talking about with how it should have been more like suspenseful, get a little bit more of an idea of like her insanity more, more throughout of a mystery, it. Yeah, I thought I would have loved a little bit more of that because we would have gotten a little bit more of the early framing that we got in the film, mm-hmm. which was those great fucking shots where she just walks off camera and you're just looking at space and you don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know, um, like the kitchen sequence uh, was like one of my favorite moments mm. where it's, you know, obviously someone's turning on the, the heat and everything. But it was just like there was a good long pause where there's just nothing on screen. Yes. And you have no idea. Like you're you're looking like cause your eyes are magically like not magically, but instinctively <laughs> looking around for like little details to see what's going on. And I was doing that throughout the first 30 minutes or did so. Did you catch the knife come off the counter? Yes, I did see the knife okay. come off the counter. Okay. But um, like the first 30 minutes of the film left you with a ton of those scenes where you're just seeing, you know, just empty spaces. You don't know like when she's writing on her laptop. Is there something in the corners or stuff like that? Yeah. So I was really enjoying that, and I felt like it kind of slowed down as the film went on. Because, I mean, it was obvious, you know, there's an invisible man in the room at all times. Yeah, once you get to the attic scene, mm-hmm. and we're trying not to spoil the movie, but then you know. <laughs> and I think that 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 kind of stops, you know, those kind of moments, you know, at that point on, where you don't have those kind of, mm-hmm. like super suspenseful scenes you know because you know that there is she knows that there's you know her boyfriend is alive and haunting her. and I, I mean that doesn't it doesn't like create a lot of detriments to the because there's a lot of still more shocks and things that happen on throughout the film but you know i just kind of was hoping for a little bit more of that going through mm-hmm. and i mean it is as you said what we got from the trailer it's pretty obvious it is someone actually there yeah, but um, overall, I really did enjoy everything. Uh, my only, my own personal like criticism for the film was um, a lot of the uh, like simple effects that they put into the film were almost like it felt like I was watching someone do basic After Effects, like mm-hmm. with um, his breathing in the cold weather, um, and then they showed uh, a couple like uh, wounds were very much like. I didn't like. It didn't seem like they blended it in very well. It almost felt like TV CGI, (laughs) right? Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like very well done. Exactly. Um, And they're brief moments, and I don't feel like because a lot of times those moments can take me completely out of the Mm -hmm. film. Um, But this is not an effects movie, you know. For for it being because you would think, oh, Mm -hmm. Invisible Man, this is totally an effects movie. That you do have a couple of effects scenes, but this is more about suspense and tension. Um, So I mean, those movies. those effects, you know, or lack of, mm. don't take away, you know, from the movie overall. At least for me, where it didn't take me out of the movie. I would say at least what they did handle well was the um, fight sequences. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like, for, for there being a missing person, these were some pretty believable fight sequences. We get into this uh, one fight later on in the film, and, you know, uh, it's it felt like the guy was really getting beaten the hell out of Mm -hmm. throughout the entire sequence. And I thought, wow, this is super well done. Um, And of course, uh, to get back to uh, performances and everything, Elizabeth Moss, I I can't, I can't imagine another person being able to handle this as well as she did. I mean, that's, this was perfect casting. Yeah. I I do love her and other things, but I thought this was like one of her best roles yet. Yeah. She's, I mean, from that opening Mm -hmm. scene, and it was such a strong scene because they set up so much of the tension and suspense of the movie without a lot of exposition. 
So, you know, by just doing that scene mm-hmm. and showing how terrified she is, you basically know the whole relationship. I mean, she does kind of fill in a few of the blanks later on, but they're like very brief conversations. You just know this guy's a fucking monster mm-hmm. and she needs to get away. Because, I mean, the the length she goes just to escape the house, Absolutely. it feels like she's escaping a prison, <laughs> which was great, you know? So you really are like, you know, on her side from the get-go. No, you have to imagine like she's been training for that moment to climb over the wall. Yes, because it's it's pretty elaborate, mm-hmm. you know, with the cameras and everything. Um, she literally drugs him. Um, but yeah, there's so many great scenes that, you know, call back to each other and tie everything together when he is like, you know, stalking her and fucking with her. Um, you know, the fact that like she comes back from that job interview and like just, you know, something so subtle of that, you know, medication bottle mm-hmm. that she dropped in the street, you know, in the first, you know, opening scene, just sitting on the counter, you know, for her to discover. I, I just such a nice touch. Um, you know, there's just, you know, just that psychological horror. Exactly. You know, that I wasn't really expecting like this level with this film. So. No, yeah. The trailer definitely gave you that vibe of it's going to be a little bit too simple mm-hmm. where, you know, we're going to know who it is immediately. We're going to know what's going on. And it's just going to be kind of like an action romp from the like the last few minutes. That's what I was kind of scared because uh-huh. they kept on showing that one action sequence, you know, when she's in the mental institute mm-hmm. um, over and over again in the trailer. So I was really, okay, is it going to be a lot of this, these kind of sequences throughout the film? And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't. So, I mean, I, I hope I'm not disappointing anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but that scene is badass, even uh-huh. though you see a lot of it. And that's my one qualm with, you know, any film nowadays, I feel like you see too much in the trailer. Um, We talked about it with, like, Candyman. Mm. So... I know, but... but I, later we're on, both going to say that. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um... You know, so many times these movie studios get in their own way where they just can't let things be surprises. Mm. Um, and I keep on imagining, like, you know, enjoying this film for the first, like, you know, hour or so and then getting to that sequence and how awesome that moment would have been when it, like, you know, shit really hits the fan and you're seeing, you know, what this guy can do. Um, but unfortunately, Hollywood. So. <laughs> All right, well, um, for my grade, I was going to give it, you know, just straight B. That's just kind of how I felt for it. That's fine. I, I, I still think this is worth going to see in the theaters. Definitely go check it out. Uh, my main thing, after I, you know, I got to think about the movie a little bit, uh, and this is a mild, mild spoiler, um, mm. he takes photos of her in her sleep, and she eventually finds the phone in the attic and everything. Um, why doesn't she just, you know, grab the phone real fast? And run and show people. Because people at this point aren't believing anything she's saying. At least show her, you know, detective friend. Exactly. Which, you know, they're not believing her. Like, (laughs) no, listen. There's no way she could have took that phone. She keeps the phone throughout the film? No, I think she lets go of it. Um, Does she lose it? Okay, so maybe she loses Mm. the phone. So that makes sense. Um, My one thing was like, most places have cameras Uh at this point. (laughs) So the restaurant sequence... I was like, I'm sure they could look at the film and see. You know, but how do you explain that? You can't, but you can obviously like if if, if they capture any of it on like film, they're uh-huh. you know, I'm sure there's a video camera in that restaurant. Now 
you could have done away with that just by saying he disabled the cameras. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's a tech guy, so he could obviously easily do that. I'm sure he's smart enough to figure that mm-hmm. out. So it is what it is. I can believe that he did that and they just didn't show it. Well, what are you going to believe more? Telekinesis or <laughs> Invisible Man? Yeah, well, yeah, that's a good question, too. <laughs> that was a great scene, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, without oh, I totally didn't expect spoilers, it. it was I, my whole audience gasped when that happens. So because it comes out of mm-hmm. nowhere, so. No, bravo, Lee. Bravo. All right, man. So let's move on and talk some wrestling. Hey. Caesar. Oh, Caesar. What a snake wants, a snake takes. You see, I'm not in AEW to take the whole pie. Just your share. Now, a wise man once told me, never, ever turn your back on somebody you respect or you're afraid of. Wow. What have we just heard? So AEW was a huge part of the C2E2 weekend. Um, and it was highlighted by the pay-per-view revolution, uh, fantastic show, but you actually got to be there live. Yes. Um, overall thoughts. Awesome. Great experience. So what was the deal with the light up bracelets that everyone had? Oh, it was just kind of like, uh, that was supposed to be their interactive. And I'd say that with quotations experience, it's just, it was lighting up to the music. Okay. And like they told fans ahead of time, like, yeah, if you don't want to be supportive, hide your wristband. Oh, I was like, but like, no one did that. Yeah, of course not. Uh huh. Because like I before I actually because I didn't watch the pay per view live. Mm. Uh, before I saw it, I saw like uh, there was like a highlight and like everyone's like you know wristband went up, but I thought it was everyone's phone because I didn't know about the wristbands. I was like, wow, that's a really cool moment. Holy shit! <laughs> everyone's like filming it. Like uh, I thought it was like, but I was like, oh, it's fucking like you know rave wristbands yeah so i didn't know how i felt about that i thought it was a little too like i was wondering what because they brought it up during their panel um that they were gonna have like some cool interactive experience and i was like oh i wonder what it'll be like it'll be something on your phone or something like yeah you get to vote for something or I, but you no, know, it's just wristbands. It's a little bit of like crowd sweetening yeah, you fine. know i mean at least it's not like actually like <laughs> booze and they told cheers. people to uh recycle them afterwards to give them back i, I doubt anyone oh yeah no one's giving this back, back. <laughs> get out of here <laughs> all right let's go ahead and get into the card uh what do we got up first christian all right first up we had dr Britt baker and penelope ford with kip saving of course going up against rio and yuka sakas uh, sakazaki now i did not see the pre-show so you're gonna have to fill in the blanks here uh, it was a fun little match. I was buying popcorn at the time, so I was kind of like half watching it. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. It was fair. It's fine. Uh, I was good to see Yuka back in action. I haven't seen you know besides the one match she had on TV mm-hmm. recently. Um, it was it was a, pretty much to get Britt Baker over a little bit more as a heel. Did she have lots of heat with the crowd? Uh huh. Tons. Awesome. Good. <laughs> I've been enjoying her heel turn. I really mm-hmm. have. So. Uh, and then who won this? Uh, Burt Baker and Penelope Ford. Okay. Burt Baker with the, uh, the mandible. All right. So, and then up next we have the Dark Order, uh, versus SoCal Uncensored. 
Yeah, that was another uh, it was another pre-show match for them. It was interesting. It wasn't much for me in general. Um, it, they brought out um, Colt Cabana because now he's going to be part of you know, their little fight. Um, I did see that he made the big save, mm-hmm. right? They're being attacked by the Dark Order at the end of the match. Uh, before the match, of course, they told um, Christopher uh, to stay out of, of the ring and stuff. Like, don't even come out. Okay. They seem to be concerned. He did another spot. Where at the end of the match, he came out dressed as like a Dark Order guy and then took off um, like the hood and it's just him. I was like, I've, I've seen you do this spot now like five times. Yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> and I don't know why it would confuse... Like if they know that mm-hmm. the Exalted One isn't there, like why would it distract them? Why exactly. does it keep on... I mean, I guess they're idiots. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, it, was, it was, you know, it was a decent SoCal match, so I can't complain, but it wasn't anything special. How was the uh, pop for Cult? Um, oh, the crowd went nuts, I'm of course, because sure. it's Cult Cabana. It's but in Chicago, right? It's Chicago. <laughs> so, fair But enough. I don't know, I, I, I was sitting there calmly with my He brother. had a good match on uh, on Dynamite this week. I did okay. enjoy the match. So, and I guess he's going to be more of a uh, player coach. It sounds like so. He'll yeah, be, I was hoping that he wouldn't be too much like on TV every week. Yeah, I think he'll be doing like his comedy routine, mm-hmm. and but he'll also be working backstage and you know producing a lot of the segments. So that's fine. He's got a great mind for the business. So why the fuck not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's get into the show. Yeah, starting off the show, we had Jake. Starting off the show, we had Jake Hagar going up against Dustin Rhodes. So, like for me. I thought the match was okay. Um, I just wouldn't have opened the card with it. Mm. Um, so I I would have actually opened up with Darby Allen and Sam. I was going to say that probably would have been the better match. To yeah, because I, I felt like it kind of like just I think the pacing of the match and everything like that kind of took the crowd out of it just from watching, you know, at home. How did you feel like at, you know, be actually in attendance? Like, did you feel like the energy of the crowd kind of died down a little? As an um, near the end, like nor more towards the end of the match, it definitely was more chill. wasn't too ex- the, the excitement level shouldn't be this low for an opener. Yeah, but like I didn't like get the whole like the girlfriend angle and everything. His wife, it's his wife. Oh, wife, I guess. sorry. Yeah, it's his <laughs> wife. And it was weird because they just like it just all of a sudden mm-hmm. seems to be a thing now. It was never introduced on TV. Um, it is what it is. I don't know if they're just testing it out. It's just kind of a weird place to test it out. It's his first match, actually, for AEW, which is mm-hmm. crazy to think because he's been there since, exactly. like, the first episode of Dynamite. I mean, he had plenty of heat. I mean, yeah. people were against him, but... It just also, like, I think the fact that they haven't established his finisher, mm. it made it feel like it came out of nowhere. You know, it felt like almost like a glorified rust hold when he put it on, and mm. all of a sudden... Dustin's like tapping out. So I think if they would have established it, you know, at least, you know, during one of their brawls or something like that. Or even when he's just like fighting, you know, ex wrestler on show. Yeah. That's why like if like during Mm -hmm. a brawl or something like that, because he he hasn't had a match, you know, on the show, you just have him put someone in the lock and have Jim Ross sell it or something like that and bring up that, you know, he's used this in his mixed martial arts career. Mm -hmm. That's all you really needed, but like since they hadn't established that, I felt like it was a really like flat finish that came out of nowhere. Um, so I, yeah, I, it was just a weird choice, you know, match wise to kind of open mm. the show. They didn't even show like his exit. Like he uh, puts his wife on his shoulder and he just carries her out 
And like she's like mocking the crowd the entire time. Really? So she was very much invested in what was going on. So she's it, they're yeah. looking to have her be a character on the show at least or testing mm-hmm. it out. So she was not on Dynamite this week at all. Gotcha. So, but I mean, he didn't have an actual like match match. Yeah, because I did notice I was watching the replays were happening while he was making his whole exit out. The also, I missed the singlet. Hmm? I missed the singlet that used to wear oh, okay. at WWE. <laughs> I was like, why sure. does... It's like, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I guess I'm being a stickler, but I just felt like he's wearing biker shorts for some reason. I don't know. So, it's just my personal taste. Hey, I liked... Um, I didn't feel like it was gear, that though. flattering to him. You know, where like, you want him to be... I don't know. Okay. Damon's getting real picky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the demon look of Dusted Rose. Oh, yes. Where he went full paint rather yes. than half. Yes. So uh, at C2E2, I went to the AEW booth, oh, yeah. and I'm usually not, like, I don't, like, completely fan out, like, for, you know, celebrities and shit like that. Um, I just, I don't, like, I don't care for, like, getting autographs and shit like mm-hmm. that, but I'm sitting there looking at shirts, and then all of a sudden I hear this, like, loud, booming voice, like, right next to me, and, like, my whole, like, I, my my asshole must have fucking puckered <laughs> Because I was like, fucking Goldust is sitting like right next to me, like standing there looking at the shirts because uh-huh. he was about to do a signing. I had no, I didn't say shit because usually I'd be like, oh, hey, man, I really, you know, enjoy your work or whatever. I just kind of walked away. <laughs> <laughs> it just startled me uh-huh. so much, you know. I've been watching the guy on TV for fucking 30 years. So, um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on. What's the next match? Up next, we had Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. I, I enjoyed this. Uh, completely fast-paced. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, I was like, did the bell even fucking ring? <laughs> um, but, I, man, they're, they're so smooth in the ring. Like, I want to see these guys work an extensive program together. Um, they're really fun to watch. They've got great chemistry. Did, um, did it continue on the show? Because I haven't seen it the episode this week. Um, yeah, they have a uh, match. Actually, uh, it's a tag match in the main event. It's Sammy and Jericho versus Darby and uh, Moxley. Hmm. So, and they really put over Darby uh, big time. Moxley gets uh, taken out by the uh, inner circle uh, before the match even starts. And then Darby faces Jericho and Sammy by himself. Um, and the crowd was 100% behind God, him. I saw that spot that he took, though, from um, Jericho where he gets elbowed. Yes. Yeah, on the outside the of the ring yeah. when he's jumping through the ropes. Yeah, it was pretty fucking badass. Um, man, he's so over right now. It's mm. crazy. Oh, no, yeah. He, he was fucking huge when he came out. Yeah, yeah. The fans are really mm-hmm. behind. They got something with him. Um, <laughs> he's just so quick. You know, it's the speed mm-hmm. that he wrestles at that's just insane. And everything's so fluid. You know, he's really smooth with his transitions and everything. Um, I, he's just really fun to watch. And he gives you something that, like, as a longtime wrestling fan that I haven't seen before. You know, his moveset and everything like that. So I'm really impressed with him. All right. And then up next, we had Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus the Young Bucks. So, yeah, this was the match of the night. Absolutely. And might have been the match of the year. Um, I thought this was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, storytelling, ring work, everything clicked. Um, and I, I don't know if it's just like partially because you're so invested in these characters at this point and you know them so well. 
but just all like the little nuances that they like set up like throughout the match um you know and just the, the you know the small little moments that could be like totally missed but like just really took the match to the next level um but and just once again great in-ring action you know the entire time so i fucking i love this match no i thought it was a great match i would argue that there are way too many kickouts by the end i'm okay with it i i (laughs) i don't know i'm i feel like i'm becoming one of those guys where it's just becoming like it's so much. Uh-huh. So many kickouts. That's by fair. the end. That's but fair. I, I loved every minute of this match. Yeah. No. Oh my God. I mean, all the little like the Marty moment that they put in there. Like I thought that was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the Golden Lovers moment, um, and how pissed off Kenny was afterwards. He injured his hand. And when I was watching, I was like, is that when he injures his hand? Because he starts punching the fucking mat so hard like he's furious mm. and i'm like is that when he actually hurt himself because i was trying to figure out when he actually like injured himself because i guess he fucked it up pretty bad mm. but i was like is, is it from punching the fucking mat because he <laughs> gets pissed um but there's so many moments like that it was great like fan service you know for their like hardcore fans which i thought was fun so they really like you know if you're a longtime watcher of you know being the leads or you've been following their careers in new japan um, it really like you know pays off you know in this match which I I, I just I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. to get this level so um, it reminded me a lot of the uh, Golden Lovers match against the Young Bucks um, oh, from yeah. New Japan mm-hmm. you know because I love that match also but I actually think this was actually better um, so I'm no, not I, saying a lot <laughs> I love the story that they're doing with Adam Page and I love the ending of the match where you know it not only did he get over with um, the one wing angel, but eventually he has to use his own finisher to complete the match. And I, it just shows that his own independence still won after mm. all that. And I love that they're like still like teasing, mm. you know, the heel turn. I don't think they're going to go through with it just because he's so fucking over right now. I was not expecting the response that the young bucks got. Oh yeah, like just the shower of like booze that they were getting. Um, I'm wondering if it's like due to the interview that they did on Dynamite where they basically called him a jobber. Like he was an ROH Mm -hmm. jobber before, you know, we took you in. Um, Because it just, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is, feels almost unwarranted. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, yeah, that, that promo that they did, it was a great fucking piece of work. But like, it really felt like the Bucks were like, you know, subtly turning heel there. Mm. Like the way they were talking down to him and everything. So it just I mean, feels like they knew what they were going into. It was yes. just like we're going to be the heels of this man. Yes. I mean, there's I, I don't think there's any way that Paige doesn't come out of this whole program being a huge star. So because it always it already feels like he's mm-hmm. getting there. So and he made a great like run in save on uh dynamite. The crowd went fucking nuts when he came out and everything like that. But they really teased um, that tension between him and Matt. So I'm, I'm expecting to get a one-on-one match between those two. <laughs> All right, up next we had Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander. And, man, did they just get the worst spot <laughs> they off did. the card. But this match at the same time didn't do anything for me. Yeah, it was... Unfortunately, all the pops were for the mistakes. Yeah. You know, um, and... <laughs> I think it's... They, this is one thing that AEW does sometimes... They put a lot of faith in their workers, which is great. But at the same time, they're exposing 
them. Mm-hmm. Like, especially the workers that are, like, you know, super green, like Nyla Rose and, you know, Stad Lander. They're going to be phenomenal. I really do. I need to stop saying phenomenal. <laughs> I feel like they're going to be great, you know, at some point. But, like, for them to be going up against each other just, you know, made their greenness, like, glaring. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this just didn't work. Um, it didn't feel like there was any, like, cohesiveness to everything. Like, it felt very, like, you know, programmed by number, just the way they were kind of going through the sequences and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very, like, planned out. But there was there was no chemistry between the two of them at all. So not saying that they won't get there, but they I feel like Nyla needs to go against like experienced like vets at this point, you know, to get over. I loved her promo from like two weeks ago where she was talking about breaking bitches. Mm. I was like, oh shit, I need to see more of this. <laughs> she was terrifying. Um Well, she almost broke her Statlander yes. on that power bomb. Yes. Yes, um, yeah, uh, kind of like a oh no moment. But I'm pretty sure that was more on um, Chris at that point. Yeah. It seemed like it. It's, she was just so low. It looked like her neck was just going to slam into the ground. It's always hard to tell in those situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might have been both at fault. Um, but yeah, you'd, the only people who know are really them. All right, well, up next we had MGF going up against Cody. So this was my biggest disappointment of the night. Um, I did enjoy the match overall. I think I was just expecting more from it because it's been such a great build. Like, I love everything they did leading up to this match. The strapping. So, like, the last month we haven't been covering wrestling that much just because we've had so much shit to talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, um, in other genres. But I've been really digging this whole program with, like, you know, MJF and Cody and, you know, all the stipulations that Cody's had to go, on th- to go through, like the gauntlet that basically to get his hands finally on MJF. So when the match starts, I was really disappointed because I, I just thought Cody would be just like foaming at the mouth to like, you know, finally get to punch MJF in the fucking face and they just start wrestling. Like, there's that brief moment where Cody's all geared up and MJF, like, goes out of the ring. And then, you know, for me, Cody should be chasing after him, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then, yeah, MJF's a a heel, so he'll, like, do a run around and get back in the ring and then, like, you know, jump on Cody as he gets in. It's classic fucking heel work. Um, But they didn't do that. Like, Cody waits, Anderson holds him off. Then MJF gets in the ring and they start wrestling. And then Cody, within like the first two minutes, goes for a pin. I was like, Cody's not going to want to fucking pin this guy. He wants to beat the shit out of him. Mm. So it's like, he's not he's not looking for the win. You know, he's looking for revenge. So it, that was a disconnect for me. Um, as the match went on, I enjoyed it. Um, and I, I felt like they kind of gained back their momentum and everything. But, you know, just that start, like, felt super flat. And then, of course, the tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> and then down, what was the... Down states or whatever? Yeah, that was a that little... That did his intro? I felt like that was a misfire a little bit, you know. Um, I like his intro song, <laughs> but I just didn't like them performing it. Uh, but whatever, you know, I'm being nitpicky. 
But yeah, that tattoo. Well, like, like I, I have a lot of tattoos. Oh. You know, don't get me wrong. But I, I think maybe part of it is just the placement and the fact that he has no other tattoos. Like, just I thought it was like a temporary tattoo. And then, like, I'm, like, watching the match, and I'm on social media, and they, like, lo and behold, have, like, a whole article posted about him getting this tattoo. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, man, that's a fucking ballsy choice, you know, to get your own logo on your neck like that. So, but it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> MJF had a great one-liner um, on Dynamite about it, though. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be great cannon fodder for him. Um, but, yeah, no. Uh, the, overall, the match was good, but like it just—I think that opening kind of took me out of it. Yeah, I guess I wasn't really thinking too much about that at the beginning. Like later on, Cody does like go to pin and then raises his head and keeps fighting. But mm-hmm. that should have been more at the beginning. He shouldn't have been, yes. you know, so calm and collective for he someone need- who's been through so much hell just to get there. I wasn't really thinking about that at the time. I guess he needs to be house of fire. Mm-hmm. Like he needs to be just like fucking like you know coming undone like just like just thinking about like getting his hands on him like just pacing back and forth in the ring until that fucking bell rings um and that really wasn't the vibe that i got at all um from the opening of the match i'm still waiting for arn to turn on him it's gonna happen they set it up in this match Mm -hmm. you know where cody accidentally hits him i feel like that's gonna happen sooner than later um, which I'm fine with. Cody doesn't need Arn. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense. I don't like baby faces with managers, honestly. So, you know, Arn feels like a, be- a better fit for like MJF, honestly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no. And then another little thing I had was like, I felt like, you know, like MJF does the blade job, but I don't know. Like the moment like, he got busted open, <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, "Oh, he's busted open." Yeah, was it the kick? Um, I'm not sure because he does. I I don't want them to get them like to the point where like they're just blading to blade. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like those need to be big moments, you know. Even if it's a case of like the refs, you know, being distracted and you know, Cody hits him with, like, maybe the belt buckle or, you know, rams him into the fucking ring post or just something, you know. That should be a big, like, come up in, like, moment for him. So I just don't want them to be doing blood for blood's sake at this point. <laughs> so, you know, I love some blood in the uh, match. I want them to get color, but, like, it has to mean something. All right. Well, up next we had Orange Cassidy versus Pac. This was fantastic. <laughs> I loved everything about this oh. match. I was not expecting this match. <laughs> and I loved it. Because when they set this up, I was like, what the fuck is this even going to look at? And I thought it was going to be more of a novelty. In a way, it is to mm. a certain extent. But I was like, if you can do this just every once in a while with him, this guy is going to remain over forever. I mean, how was, like, in the arena, how was the crowd Oh, response? everyone's on their feet. Okay. The entire match. Yeah, because it was just <laughs> insane. I was on my feet in my basement. So, uh-huh. <laughs> I, because I have not seen him, like, work a full, like, a singles match gotcha. like this at all. No, this so. is what his matches are like. This is, like, the basis of it. But when you put someone, the caliber of Pac in there. Yes. Pac or Pac, whatever the fuck his Pac, name is. I believe it's Pac. Yeah. <laughs> um, who can react and sell to him. Mm. That's what made it way over the top. Yeah, yeah, and I love that, you know, 
it all came from a real place at least like it felt like oh he's trying you know mm. that was the whole gimmick like the setup for the match he's gonna actually try and then the whole <laughs> crowd on dynamite started like uh-huh. chanting he's gonna try He's going to try, if they do that as like a build up to like, oh, an Orange Cassidy feud where he finally gets to the point where he's going to try and then we get a match like that, like every like, you know, three months or so, I'm okay with it. You know, don't overexpose him. Just do like little, you know, cameo shots of him like once in a while and everything. Because he's honestly one of the most over guys, mm-hmm. which is just insane. Do you remember the reaction when they signed him? Yes. Like how like mixed, <laughs> like the crowd, like, like hardcore, like, you know. Young Buck fans and everything were like, oh, what are they doing signing this guy? And I mean, what a fucking blessing, you know, because <laughs> he always has like one of the best moments on Dynamite every like, mm-hmm. you know, every other week whenever he's on, he steals, <laughs> you know, every scene. No, this was probably the most fun I had during the entire paper. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a great moment because mm-hmm. it wasn't just like it, he's not Santino Morella, where he's no, like it's just pure comedy, ridiculous, like slapstick bullshit. You, he can actually work, which I think gets lost on a lot of people because of you know the demeanor and everything. And you actually got to meet him at uh, C2E2. I accidentally bumped into him on the escalator. Oh, really? <laughs> How was that? Um, it was fun. Like, I didn't know who it was at first, and you know, Katie's holding the title. So he's like, oh, nice belt. And oh, that really? just kept going with his day. And I, I noticed the guy with him has a WWE logo on him. I was like, that, that can't be him, right? And I looked more at his face. I'm like, oh, that, yep, that's Santino. Oh, I'm not talking about Santino Morella. You met oh. Santino Morella? Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought that's what you were about, talking about. No, I'm talking about Orange Cassidy. Oh, no, yeah. Orange Cassidy was nice. He's, he's a nice guy. That's that's a, <laughs> well, that's fucking random. <laughs> yeah, I totally ran into Was him. Santino doing side? I don't know. There? Cause I didn't see him on any schedule or anything. Oh, he's so just he's there just there. Man. That's almost sad. <laughs> <laughs> he was just in the rubble. Because <laughs> you know, there's a thing where, like, um, if AW talent are at a convention, WWE talent are not allowed to be on there, oh. and vice versa. Now, where like, if a WWE if WWE has talent on a show, uh, they have to sign a disclaimer that. No other wrestling companies are allowed. Well, there. is Santino still considered I like? Well, he wasn't on the show. Apparently, he was not oh, even yeah. part of C two. He was just there as a fan, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it just feels weird. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so random. Was he cosplaying as himself? No, he was, he was just regular street clothes, man. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's hilarious. I was talking uh, about Orange Cassidy. <laughs> no, Orange Cassidy did say he wants the belt, though. <laughs> Nice. He's like, give it to me. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, last but not least, we had John Moxley versus Chris Jericho. Uh, I I really did like to get to see Moxley wrestle in a match and finally become AEW champion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a great journey, but this was kind of a letdown of a match for me. I don't know. I don't know if it was pacing or what. This just wasn't what I expected from Moxley versus Jericho. Especially these, the versions of them that we're getting today versus what we got <laughs> many years ago with the fucking Asylum match. Oh, you know, plant? <laughs> exactly. What was the plant's name? Mitch. Mitch. That's right. <laughs> um, well, Moxley finally got revenge for Mitch, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with you. Um, I I thought the match was fine. I didn't mm. think it was bad. Um, but. 
I felt like it was a little long. Um, and I, I, I think I was expecting more of a New Japan style match um, just on Jericho's end. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot more like brawling and just, you know, just gangbusters insanity from Jericho. But we didn't get that, I guess. You know, it, he, that's not his character in AEW. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I was just wishful thinking on my fault. He he looked great. He He's dropped weight. Like, he, it feels like he's dropped a good, like, 20 to 30 pounds. I don't know if you noticed that. So I felt like he was quicker in the ring. (laughs) Mm. I did notice that. Um, But this wasn't the match that I was expecting. Now, I mean, I feel like this program's going to be moving forward. Mm. Um, The Inner Circle beat the shit out of Moxley (laughs) on Dynamite. So they definitely were making a statement. Um, There's a lot of rumors going around that, you know, they took the belt off Jericho because he does have like a tour coming up. Um, in the summer so he's not going to be around and they kind of played with that rumor on dynamite this week where he like set up a stipulation for himself that if moxley doesn't leave the building lane i can't remember the actual verbiage they use that you know jericho won't um he'll stay off AEW for 60 days (laughs) so like i was like oh my god do they just set up like are we not gonna see jericho for you know two months um but lo and behold he leaves the arena you know on his back, basically, or at least the camera shut down with him, you know, mm. being laid out. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I'm with you though. I was expecting more from this match. Well, it, it wasn't bad though. Like, you brought up blade a... spots, um, in the last match. Uh, uh-huh. What, what the fuck cut open Moxley in this match? Because I was watching, and I was like, I, what, what busted him open? That's a good question. I don't even remember <laughs> at this point. Because he's got a nice gash above his eye, too. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck happened? I don't remember. That's weird. <laughs> I'm drawing a complete like, blank right now. Yeah, I'm not even sure. Because also... he got like, it was like eight stitches or something mm-hmm. from it. So, um, yeah, and it's right above his eye. And the whole, like, he's not really blind thing. I felt like that's something you maybe would have saved for TV, not the pay-per-view. I don't know. I don't know. It, it felt dumb. Yeah, it didn't really do anything for mm. me, you know. Uh, but I'm happy for Moxley. I I would have kept the belt on Jericho for longer, um, you know, and saved it for maybe a match or two down the line between them two. Uh, maybe, like, closer to the summer. Mm. But I get it. You know, I mean, maybe it's the right move right now. The crowd was definitely into it. Um, so, I mean, I understand it, but it'll be fun to see Jericho chasing after the belt to see what he can do with that. Mm-hmm. So at least it brings something different, you know, to the show. I loved his post-match speech. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt real. You know, I love that. We're, I love how free he seems, you know, <laughs> Um, he feels like a genuine character, like a genuine person now, you know, not a character, I should say, um, you know, it's just, it's so night and day compared to, you know, uh, Dean Ambrose, you know, the WWE, he just, you could tell the weight of the world is like off his shoulders and he's just enjoying everything he's doing. Cause there's moments in that match where you could tell he's having a good time, mm. you know, <laughs> which is just great to see. So that that kind of shit is infectious when you watch it. Yes. Um, so and like even on a dynamite, you know, this week when when he came up, he opened up the show and everything, and you could tell like just how over the moon he was to be where he was, you know. Now, so um, you know, it was it was a bona fide great moment, you know. But 
not the greatest match in the world. <laughs> so I will say that. Well, what would you say for the whole card? What was your what was your star rating, as we say? Um, I would give it a solid four stars. Four. I think I'm in the same ballpark. Yeah, and honestly, it's all about that fucking young bucks. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Page and uh, Omega match. It really is. That's good. <laughs> that's definitely going to be on my you know end of the year list. I'm I'm sure it's going to be at least top five. And we're so. just getting started. I know. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard for me to picture a, at least a better tag match mm-hmm. this year happening. So, all right. Well, let's end the show, man. Before we go, go ahead and check out dramacityproductions.com. Uh, you can listen to us there and a bunch of other great podcasts. Uh, you can also find us over at bigheadmedia.com. Uh, once again, tons of great podcasts along with us. Exactly. And if you're listening to us on your favorite platform, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Make sure it's that five-star review. That's right. That definitely helps a small independent podcast like us keep on going. If you liked any of the news stories we talked about today, you can find them on our social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at, at Amazing Nerd Show. Yes, we are your nerd hub for all the latest news and pop culture. Uh, beyond that, if you're looking to support the show, we have merch, guys. We got t-shirts, mugs, the works, all on Tee Public, And then you can also find us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Go ahead and pick up some nerd swag and maybe even the shirt of your favorite wrestler. All right, so make sure to tune in next week. Uh, we've been talking about a lot of films this year, so we've got a lot of TV to catch up with. Um, so we'll be doing some reviews. And we're still in WrestleMania season, so Elimination Chamber is this weekend, and we're going to be talking about it next week. That's right. We're going to give it a lot more thought than WWE <laughs> apparently has. So uh, till then. Yes, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's the Amazing Nerd Show. Stop where you are. You don't know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing, all right. Come on. Get all of him. Lock him up. All right, you fools. You've brought it on yourselves. Everything would have come right if you'd only left me alone. You've driven me near madness with your peering through the keyholes and gaping through the curtains. And now you'll suffer for it. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. There's a souvenir for you. And one for you. I'll show you who I am and what I am. <laughs> Look, he's all.